بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمدا يوالي نعمه ويدفع نقمه ويكافئ مزيده وصلوات الله وسلامه وبركاته على محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا وهدى وتقى يا رب العالمين سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا انك انت العليم الحكيم ربي اعوذ بك من همزات الشياطين واعوذ بك ربي ان يحضرون تبرأت من حولي وقوتي واعتصمت بحول الله وقوته Welcome to one and all uh, to a brand new episode of Islamica we take your questions and seek to furnish you with as complete answers as possible as per the guidance of the Quran and the prophetic example alayhi salatu wasalam and as per the guidance and the reflections and deliberations of the scholars of the four schools and beyond all questions inshallah are welcome however you feel comfortable uh, and the questions could, could be pertaining to anything to do with you know ritual devotional issues it could be pertaining to you know something more um mundane in the sense of you know monetary matters or family life etc but just with those sorts of issues which are kind of have real life consequences in terms of uh, in a material sense of the word then those questions we just want to put at the proviso uh, the disclaimer if you like that anything that's said is only by way of general information and not specifically answering uh to your specific circumstances because that needs someone like a scholar and uh maybe a professional in in a interdisciplinary context to try and help tease out some of the nuances and speak to you personally and directly um so without any further ado let's begin with um our brief reminder about various issues in ahadith pertaining to the fiqh of uh, as-salah so we want to begin first and foremost with uh, the hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam where in which uh there are a verse number of duas that can be said by way of istiftah what does what istiftah mean istiftah comes from that uh, arabic linguistic pattern of istifala which means to seek to do something um it, it's the to seek permission for something to seek an opening of something etc therefore istiftah means the opening of the salah itself the opening of the salah itself there's some discussion amongst the scholars which I'll come on to shortly about um what's the right thing to do when uh, starting the the prayer but suffice to say the majority position is that one is to after saying Allahu Akbar the takbiratul ihram whereby you say you know you make the opening takbir after that uh, you would say the um istiftah dua that's to say um after you've made the takbiratul ihram Allahu Akbar then you'd say either one of the following duas which the prophet ﷺ said so it comes in the hadith of ali ibn abi talib radhiyallahu anhu from the prophet ﷺ انه كان اذا قام الى الصلاه قال وجهت وجهي للذي فطر السماوات والارض and then you have the hadith also of umar radhiyallahu anhu so starting with the hadith of umar where umar radhiyallahu anhu narrates uh, as per uh, the sanad which is in sahih muslim where it says that the prophet sallam um if he can يقول, he would say subhanakallahumma bihamdik wa tabaraka ismuk wa ta'ala jadduk wa la ilaha ghayruk 
I'll repeat that. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa tabarakasmuk wa ta'ala jadduk wa la ilaha ghayruk. Means, uh, oh Allah, glory be to you and all praise wa bihamdik wa tabarakasmuk and most blessed and holy is your name and wa ta'ala jadduk and sublime is your majesty wa la ilaha ghayruk. And there is no deity worthy of worship besides you, O Allah. So you have already conditioned and reminded yourself, conditioned yourself and reminded yourself of who you are talking to, who you are speaking with. And then you start, Alhamdulillah, Rahim, to the end of Fatiha. Um, another one of the dua istiftahs is that of uh, mentioned by the hadith of Abu Hurairah. Hadith Abu Huraira states that Kana Rasulullah Sallam Ida Kabbar al-Salati Sakta Unayyatan. The Prophet when he would make takbir, the takbir to ihram to enter the prayer, Sakta Hunayyatan, he would remain silent for a short period of time. Qabla an yaqra, before he would begin reciting. Fasa'altu. Now then he said, So I asked the Prophet about this. Stop for a moment. We just are reminded of the fact that how keen the Sahaba were to try and gain knowledge and learn and to make sure they're worshipping Allah with knowledge and basira, with true, uh, if you like, insight in terms of how they're meant to do things. And so in this hadith, which is in Bukhari and Muslim, uh, Abu Hurairah says, the Prophet he would uh, remain silent for a short period of time. So, so I asked him about that. And he said that he would say, أقول, I say, Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayai kama ba'atta bayna al-mashriq wa al-maghrib. Allahumma naqni min al-khataya kama yunaqa al-thawb al-abiyadu min al-danas. Allahumma ghsilni min khatayai bil-ma'i wal-thalji wal-barad. Oh Allah, build a different distance between me and my sins. Create a, a huge distance between me and all my sinfulness. Um, again, this very opening is one of humility and humbleness and also one of huge hope because if one didn't have hope in Allah, one would not come to Allah with one's sinfulness and recognition of one's sinfulness and attesting to it before Allah. So this is true love, humility and intimacy with Allah Jalla spiritually. So you say, oh Allah, uh, create a distance between me and my sins. In the same way, or in a way similar to how you created that expanse and that distance between the East and the West. Oh Allah, purify, cleanse me from my sins. Just the way that a white garment is cleansed from any dirt or filth on it with water. Oh Allah, cleanse me with my heart from my spiritual heart with water and ice and snow. So uh, water, sleet, and snow, all of those, let that be purifying of my inner spiritual condition. And then you have the hadith of Ali ibn Abi Talib, Allah anhu, um, so the hadith goes that you said, 
I direct my face and I surrender myself, my face. I, I, I direct my face to Allah, the one who is the originator and the creator of the skies and the earth. And I do so Hanifa, really, really uh, directing myself towards him and away from anything that would pull me away from him in absolute sense. And I am not of those who say, associate any partners besides him in worship. Inna salati, indeed my prayers, my sacrifice, my living and my passing are all for Allah, Lord of the worlds. He has no uh, associates in this worship. And with that, and by that, I was commanded. With that, I was commanded. And I am from those who surrender unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A quick question before we uh, uh, proceed to any other questions is, are you meant to say, uh, is this, are saying these du'a, is saying these du'a something obligatory? The answer is no, it's not, not obligatory. Uh, are you sinful, therefore, for not having recited these du'as? No, you're not sinful. Is your prayer valid? If you did not recite these uh, uh, du'as, yes, it is valid. Uh, is it better to do so? Then yes, according to the Hanafi, the Shafi in Hamri school of thought, yes, it is. According to the Maliki school, school of thought, he didn't find, Imam Malik didn't find the scholars of Medina prior to him doing so. So generally speaking, especially in the Fawad Salah, the, the practice would be just to start with Takmut al-Ihram and go straight into the Fatiha itself. Um, can you combine between these various du'as? So can you say... Um, Allahumma subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdik wa tabarak asmuk wa ta'ala jadduk wa la ilaha ghayruk. The, uh, the dua narrated by Umar radiallahu anhu. And thereafter to say, Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khattai kama ba'id tabi al-mashriq al-maghrib. Oh Allah, create for me the distance between the east and the west, between my sins. Uh, hadith of Abu Hurairah. Can you do that? Uh, according to Imam al-Nawi, rahimahullah ta'ala, and other such scholars and jurists, you can. Other scholars said, well, really, when you look at the Prophet's practice, he either did this or he did that. So it's better to preserve that practice of choosing one on a given salah and doing that. And in other salahs, maybe you can do another one, etc. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. We now move to the next question, which is, if you forget to offer Maghrib salah and realize after praying Aisha, what do you do? So this is basically someone who um, maybe they stepped through their Maghrib Salah, uh, they were in the state of emergency, great fear, concern, or somehow uh, Shaitan just uh, played a trick with their minds and they didn't realize actually they hadn't prayed Maghrib. They just thought they felt like they've prayed uh, Maghrib. The, the, the days Salawat are so close together. They felt Asr was actually almost like Maghrib because I just prayed a few minutes, uh, you know, half an hour ago or an hour ago, etc. And didn't register. And then the Aisha time came, uh, and, and it's maybe 6 p.m. or 5.50, and they just prayed the Aisha. And then they realized they haven't prayed Maghrib. What do they do? Now, this is really, this kind of unpicks or another question, which is, do the salawat need to be prayed in, in uh, chronological order? Um, Maghrib first, Aisha next, and then so on and so forth. So, Dhahr, Asr, Maghrib, Aisha. So the answer is, according to the mass majority of scholars, the salawat are all meant to be prayed in order. And uh, your Lord doesn't forget, and this is the order they were set out. Um, so you're meant to pray Maghrib first and then Isha. However, when you accidentally forgot and then you put Isha uh, first, and remember thereafter, all you are required to do is pray on Maghrib, and you're not required, according to the majority, to then thereafter repeat your Isha as well. Uh, we have two callers waiting. Um, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum, Sheikh. 
Um, I have a question. I have someone that I help who doesn't speak English as much. Um, she takes benefit from the government, but also she has a second job, which they know about, but they don't know how much she earns from that job. If she recently earned maybe three to four hundred pounds, would that money still be considered haram or would it be halal in Islamic sense? Uh, so one would have to look at the specifics of the situation of the uh, of the person you're helping, the lady I think you mentioned you're helping. However, the the bottom line is this: is that you know uh, she'd be required to obviously declare uh, and make known to the authorities, to HMRC, etc., uh, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Uh, you know the the amount that she's earning from the second job. They're aware of the second job, but they're not aware of that amount. They need to be aware, uh, or, or and most simply put. Even if they're, if legally it happens to be that they're not required to know the amount, so long as she still qualifies for the support and the help, then it would be okay. If she doesn't qualify, it would disqualify her. If they know about it, then ultimately you're in a situation where that would be uh, potentially, as I understand it, and I'm not a financial expert, constituting fraud because it would be misrepresentation of one's. Uh, so anyway, you'd need to you'd be best placed in charge to speak to a financial expert as well um, and to a scholar, inshallah. But that's why I can comment on on your question right now. Inshallah. I hope that's helped. So we have a caller waiting. Assalamu alaikum caller. My question is, is it compulsory to uh, pray with it um, during supper? That's all. Shukran. Okay. Uh, we have another caller waiting. Assalamu alaikum caller. Hello, assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. You know, I was listening to your program. Every day I listen to all the program Islamica. But, you know, I may miss it uh, listening to you properly. You know, always when I start my salah, I say, inni wajatu wajiyah start first. Then I say, Allahu Akbar. Then I, I say, subhanakallahumma. And then I go with my alham and then surah and Ruku and sujood. But uh, is it all right when I do in the real beginning, inni wajatu, then I say Allahu Akbar and then subhanakallah. Please, can you tell me? Okay, fine. Do you have any other questions? Uh, no, that's all because uh, I thought I'm doing it wrong. Okay, fine. So let me just answer this uh, question of yours. Uh, the question is, you know, that the sister saying that she heard me at the very head of the program today mentioning the three versions or, or three of the versions which have been mentioned related from the Prophet as dua al-istiftah, the dua with which you open or begin the prayer after takbiratul ihram, after you say Allahu Akbar, then you say either subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdik wa tabarak asmuk wa ta'ala jadduk wa la ilaha khayruk, um, or you say, uh, and, and that's the dua, the riwayah of Sayyidina Ali, or as per Umar, sorry, or as per the Rawah Sadna Ali, you say, Wajah to Wajah, Lady Fatara, Samoa, Adahani, Haman, and Mushrikin, Nasra, Tunusiki, Mahia, or Matilla, Hurbil Alamin, La Sharika, who will be the Alakumu to Anamil Muslimin, Allahumma, until Malikula, Ila Hella, and Tarabi, and Abduk, Dalam to Nafsi, Wataraf to be them before Fili, the Nubi, Jamian, in Hulayak, or the Nubi land, or the other dua, which we mentioned Abu Huraira from the process of Allahumma Ba'id, Baini, or Baina Kotai, to end of the dua. Now, the point is, is that um, the majority of the scholars, uh, for a start, from the Madhaib, they generally do have a preference for one or the other, it's stated, either Allah Ba'id Baini or 
the one which says Subhanakallah Muhammadik. Imam Ahmed preferred Subhanakallah Muhammadik uh, because it has praise in it. Others said Allahumma ba'ad baini because it's, it's uh, even more authentic in terms of it's Bukhari and Muslim, etc. Um, and others were kind of much more casual about it. And some said that is for the night prayer because one of the Riyaz Muslim mentions is for the night prayer. Okay, that's all of the if you like, the backstory regarding the question. Now, some scholars did also say that this dua of this mentioned uh, in the uh, hadith of Sayyidina Ali anhu, which says that he would used to say, I, I direct my face, I face towards the originator of the heavens and the earth. That that dua was, it can be said, prior to entering the prayer itself. So you say, uh, you know, to the end of the dua, complete that. So it's almost like conditioning yourself pre-prayer itself. Then you say Allahu Akbar, and then you enter by saying that one of the dua is Allah Ba'id Baini or Subhanakallah Muhammadik, and then and Surah Al-Fatiha. So that has been mentioned by some, but there it's a minority position so because it's not really known that clearly the process i'm saying something like wajah to wajah here because this is a long dua um prior to the prayer and no one actually picking up that that was not multiple narrators picking up on him doing so the fard prayers before between the qama and before the takbiratul ihram so if you do this following some scholars there's no sin on you there's no harm but um, if you just do it after the Takbiratul Ihram, that would be more closely to the majority position. But either one is absolutely fine, inshallah ta'ala, and Allah knows best. Um, there was a question by, uh, if I can just remember, be reminded of what the question was of the uh, sister who called uh, prior to this, the second caller. Uh, yes, about is witter ob obligatory or not? So... Now, in terms of what is oblig obligatory nature or not, there's something called uh, within the, the four schools of thought that madhahib. Uh, one of the schools is known as the Hanifi school of thought. Um, in the Hanifi school of thought, the witr, to pray witr, the Firaq has witr, is actually held as something which is wajib, um, which they which is differentiated from fard, which is something which comes, it's a technical difference, but either way, one is culpable for missing it if one has the ability to pray it that's to say that one would be potentially sinful uh and if one does perform it then one would definitely inshallah with the push of allah be rewarded for doing so um the other madhahib hold it to be something which is sunnah mu'akkada now all of this is about while you're a resident as for when you're a traveler which is what the question asked uh then yes this the ruling still applies it's the same ruling which is to say it's still wajib in the hanafi school of thought for a traveler to perform witter while on their extended journey, of course, assuming that they're overall safe, et cetera, et cetera, then they're still required to do so. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Um, there was a question uh, by the brother, Brother Hashmi, uh, about um, the issue of forgetfulness. As I mentioned, uh, forgetfulness is something which uh, can happen to all of us. And inshallah, the person is not sinful, therefore. Um, was there another question from the brother that, Brother Hashmi, that we need to answer? If so, I'd ask the uh, producer to alert me to that. Otherwise, we have a great number of questions from, um, they've come through via the um, messaging service. 
um, the Telegram, sorry, the um, WhatsApp messaging service. So uh, I will read the next uh, question, which says, if one decides to do dhikr after Fajr until sunrise and then perform Turak as Nafal, what's the reward for this? So first of all, just to be clear, when you perform your Turak as Salah in the Jama'ah, in the Masjid, etc., and then you stay performing dhikr, you are only allowed to perform Turak as Nafal no sooner than around 15 to 20 minutes after the uh, timetabled sunrise time. Because sunrise, when it says sunrise, marks the end of Fajr and the beginning of sunrise. And beginning of sunrise is actually the time when you cannot actually pray uh, prayers voluntarily of, you know, just Nawafilic, superogatory uh, prayers. In fact, that's a waktanehi, a time when you're told not to perform the salah, right? Nawafil and the like. So, on in fact, and, and you need to wait till the sun is risen around, uh, they say, which means uh, a spear's length. Um, so how tall is a spear? Most people probably don't haven't actually held a spear or um, seen one. I certainly haven't. But they say around, you know, how long how long does it take for it to rise, you know, that sort of length? Uh, and people say on average around 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, of course, if you wait longer, even better. So that's just to clarify that. What's the reward for doing this? First and foremost, it's mentioned the Hadith Sahih Muslim, the Prophet he would often, he would, it was a common regular practice of the Prophet to pr pray the, uh, the Salah and obviously the Fajr Jama'ah. And then he would stay, remain in his position either with dhikr or sometimes speaking to some of the Sahaba, etc. And he'd wait until the sun had risen. So that's what we know clearly from the hadith in Sahih Muslim. In the hadith of Tirmidhi and other places, others as well within some books, it's uh, suggested as per hadith, which there's some discussion regarding the authenticity, some consider it authentic, some questioned its authenticity, saying that the one who does so will have the reward of Hajj and Umrah, Tam, 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 a Hajj and Umrah, complete, complete, complete. And that's a very significant reward. Uh, so that's in charge something which one can hope for if they, uh, you know, uh, having heard this. Of course, um, that's if they don't believe the hadith is uh, in and of itself not authentic. Um, when one does so, however, one should be clear that the reward for Hajj and Umar does not mean that one's no longer obligated, spiritually speaking, to go on Hajj, perform the Hajj, if one has the capacity and capability financially, health-wise, to do Hajj and they haven't done Hajj before. So that's just to clarify that, inshallah, and all in no space. Are you allowed, um, if if someone cannot control his passing his uh, of wind, does he need to keep, uh, need to keep re-performing wudu? The answer to this is you perform wudu at the beginning of each of the five fard prayers. So at Fajr time, you wake up, you perform wudu, and you try and perform it, obviously, soon to, before performing your salah itself. Um, and if in the process, then now this is something which is almost like a, it's a incontinence, uh, uh, fatulence, uh, incon incontinence, then the person's incontinent, this individual, they keep praying and the breaking of the wudu does not affect their, their wudu per se now. Uh, they can continue their prayer and even anything else that they would ordinarily require wudu for, uh, such as according to the majority of the schools of thought, they'd be required to have wudu for touching the mushaf, uh, the actually printed copy of the Quran, just pure in Arabic. Uh, that 
that would also be allowed without renewing wudu up until dhuhr time. Again, dhuhr time enters and you're about to pray, you perform wudu again, and you keep that same wudu, you use that same wudu, even if your wudu is breaking without your control, for fard, for sunnas, uh, for other acts such as mushaf, etc., reciting. And up until Asr, again, when you renew, and so on, until the end of the prayers, uh, for the prayers. And I pray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy for you and for all the believers. Ameen. Um, next question is, does the nose need to touch the ground for sujood? The hadith of the Prophet says, Umirtu an asjuda ala sab'ati a'zum. I was uh, commanded to perform the sujood upon seven limbs or seven bones. Um, and he slice and mentioned uh, you the two hands, the two feet, the two knees, and then he said a jabha. Jabha refers to the forehead, but he actually pointed to his nose, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, which put, leads to the conclusion that actually that's definitely what you're meant to do. Is the sujood valid without it? The scholars discuss it. And a good number say, yes, it absolutely is. Others said because the Prophet actually pointed to the nose, even while saying the Jabba means, it was to emphasize the fact the nose does need to touch. Um, and ultimately, as you said, two, four, uh, six. Now, the seventh one is going to be the, is the nose part of an extension of the uh, forehead or not. So anyway, it's something which is different upon. But what uh, many scholars have pointed out is that actually if, one has the posture of sujood and one's nose momentarily, for example, did not touch the ground, then one's sujood is still valid and the salah is valid. But of course, we'd still strongly suggest that you all, uh, that we all ensure that we pray with uh, the nose touching the ground as well the, and, and the forehead touching the ground fully uh, uh, firmly positioned on, on, on the floor when we are making the sujood, given how important salah and sujood specifically is and Allah knows best. Uh, is it haram to shave the beard? Uh, the scholars of the Madhahib discussed this um, with some difference of opinion. So the Shafi school of thought, the official position, according to the Shafi school of thought, is that no, it's not uh, haram to shave the beard. Or the Imam al-Nawi, who is you know, from the foremost of the Shafi scholars, Jewish, actually was uh, very strict on the on the beard issue in that he both believed he was required uh, to, to, to grow the beard and not to shave, um, but also not to trim it. And he was one of the few scholars who uh, believed that was sunnah, to not shave, even trim it. Uh, whereas most scholars... Uh, from the from the overwhelming majority of the scholars uh, from the four schools and beyond, were always of the view that actually one should uh, you know not grow the beard to a length where you know it's going to be pointed out by others, and that only a, a fist length would be um, recommended uh, at most, and most, and that others said even less than that is absolutely fine so long as it's a beard. Uh, but there were some scholars who said that actually it's it's, it's something which is you know recommended because though there's a not, there's a command which says which is a fail amr or command, an imperative. It's in something which is, if you like, non ibadat related, more to do with, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, essentially grooming and etiquettes and the like. And so some of the usuli scholars were of the view that therefore that automatically goes from what would be wajib to something which is either recommended or permissible, etc., but recommended in essence. So that's one of the views there, and Allah knows best. Um, 
how to approach the question regarding how to approach a woman for marriage. Uh, this does vary from person to person, and perhaps you need to ask someone who you trust uh, to give you advice on that particular circumstance. So, you know, it would vary from someone who's, let's say, it's an Islamic gathering, you're at a conference, and there's a lady there. Obviously, you want to make sure you're, you're, you're proposing or, or inquiring. Uh, while ensuring, obviously, first of all, the person's not already married. Secondly, they're not going to feel, uh, you know, harassed or intruded upon. Uh, and, and of course, also, that's done in an Islamically uh, proper manner with propriety, respect and 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 uh, etiquette and decency. So sometimes you might have a go between. Sometimes you might try and ask a lady with your, within your family, a sibling or auntie, a mother, your mother uh, to speak on your behalf. Uh, it might be maybe uh, more elderly uncle who you trust to, to speak or you might actually just uh, if, if it seems appropriate to ask for her wally's number her family's number and have both families speaking so that there's it's all happening in in a manner which is kind of known it's not happening in secret it's not kind of happening in a way which is um leaving either of the two sides open to being taken advantage of or abused or the like or actually spurious allegations being made as well so um but you know inshallah one shouldn't be cynical skeptical about others but at the same time be sensible inshallah and uh constantly make isikhara as well or make dua to allah um but really take take someone's advice inshallah as well um if you're in doubt um Attending the funeral of a non-Muslim, is that allowed? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, you just don't attend the part which is going to be the devotional ritual worship where invoking other than God, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So you wouldn't be part of, for example, some sort of Christian prayer, you know, and it's mentioning Jesus as being God because that's something which is, uh, you know, theologically uh, an anathema to, to from a theological standpoint i it's, it's blasphemous to god almighty that there should be it should be said that there's an actual son of god or that the son of god or that you know anyone is actually worshipped and prayed to believing that independently they have powers to answer prayers etc so one would be part of that uh, but beyond that one would go there pay one's respect you know offer one's condolences um, one's uh, support during a hard time for one's neighbors or family members or colleagues, etc., whoever it is that you know is your link between yourself and the deceased, if not you're directly being related to them, and Allah knows best. Um, should followers wait until for the Imam to say Amin after Surah Fatiha, or can they say it at any time? There's different opinion amongst the scholars regarding this. Um, generally speaking. Uh, the most two well-known opinions is that you can say at the same time because of the hadith whoever is amin coincides with the amin of the imam then his past sins will be forgiven there's a hadith that goes along those lines others say that if he once he said Amin, then say Amin. So there are two opinions, each one holding on to a separate hadith and giving priority to that, to that and interpreting this other hadith in light of the one that they priority to. So that's the two opinions on that. There are still other questions, many other questions, but my apologies for that. Uh, the fact of the matter is we have now reached the end of our time for today's program. Didn't it all go that fast? SubhanAllah. 
inshallah join us again uh, uh, next time where we will be taking your questions and providing answers ta'ala i'll be with you same time tomorrow assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh فَإِن تَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ إِن كُنتُمْ تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ